Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of The Bitcoin Show today. The show is focused on building on Bitcoin. We have Mark from Leather Wallet, Nick from Gamma, Raphael from Hero Systems, Rena and Brandon from Trust Machines, and Billy Resty, a very talented artist on Bitcoin, a well-known sat hunter, Satoshi hunter. So a lot of different perspectives, different businesses that are all being built in the Bitcoin ecosystem. We talk about the hardships of building on Bitcoin, why these individual builders have selected Bitcoin as the foundation for what they want to build, the effect of community on building in the Bitcoin ecosystem, and of course, what people outside of Bitcoin think of what uh, you know these individuals are doing professionally. So overall, it's a really fun episode of the show. A lot of different perspectives you don't normally hear. I hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bitcoin show. This is the Twitter Spaces podcast that is focused on Bitcoin past, present, and future. We run this show every week at around this time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time on Tuesdays, and it is also available on Apple and Spotify podcasts. If you'd like to share it with people outside of the Twitter bubble, um, then that is your best bet. If you look at the top of your Twitter uh, screen, you know, your Twitter or X, I should call it these days, the, the X user interface. Uh, if you want to retweet the very first tweet up there, it's just a link to the show. That would be very, very helpful for us just to get this uh, podcast in front of as many listeners as possible. So if you enjoy the show, that's how you can uh, support the show. Uh, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, P.O. Uh, today, I'm going to be the only host, uh, <laughs> you know, compared to our usual setup where we would have Trevor Owens and Aubrey Trevor, of course, an investor in many Bitcoin and crypto startups, a partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, CEO at, at Ninja Alerts, which I'm sure a lot of you in the Bitcoin world know about now, and a very talented podcast host in his own right, the host of The Ordinal Show uh, with a badass cast of characters over there. And of course, Aubrey, marketing partner at Trust Machines, host of The Observation, big-time Bitcoin content creator in her own right, and the former head of communications at Lolly. I'm sure you know who both of them are. We can uh, we can pin their profiles to the top so you can follow them. They're both great follows on uh, X on Twitter. Um, but today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show. It's going to focus on building on Bitcoin. So we have a little bit of a panel-style show, which we love doing over here. We have Mark from Leather Wallet. We have Nick from Gamma, Raphael from Hero systems, Rena from Trust Machines, and Billy, uh, a digital artist on Bitcoin and a well-known sat hunter. So it's going to be great. I want to make this a group discussion at the same time. I want to, uh, you know, preserve the integrity of the podcast and not have people speaking over each other. But I don't want to make this a series of, of interviews. I want it to be a genuine group discussion. So I'll ask all of our speakers on stage, just raise your hand and I'll throw to you. I'll just start off uh, once we get the discussion going by throwing to Mark and then we'll just go from there. Um, and we'll just go based off of you know hands being raised. We're super excited to hear from everybody on stage. We love these building on Bitcoin episodes of the show. They're very, very insightful. We love to hear the different perspectives of the people that are actually building the space that we discuss on a weekly basis. If you're in the audience, if you have any questions or comments for the panel, then let us know in the comments below. You can click on that purple but uh, button on the bottom right corner of your X screen, uh, and we may even let some people up on stage at the end of the show to you know contribute to the discussion themselves and also uh, you know ask questions to our panelists. Before we dive in, I just want to make sure everybody knows that today's show, like every episode of the Bitcoin Show, is brought to you in partnership with Trust Machines. You see the account in the co-host spot right here. Trust Machines is growing the Bitcoin economy by building applications all on Bitcoin and its various layers. Recently, and we're going to talk uh, to Mark in just a second. Recently, Trust Machines announced the launch of Leather, which is the Bitcoin wallet creating a bridge between the Bitcoin network and emerging layer two solutions. Uh, and so obviously, we're, we're excited to talk to Mark about Leather in the context of building on Bitcoin. Leather is self-custodied, open source, and an audited wallet. It's allowing users to secure and manage Bitcoin, Ordinals, Stacks L2, and other Bitcoin secured assets like BRC20. And so if you want more information or to create your wallet today, then actually just go to leather.io. And as always, just make sure you're following Trust Machines right here on X. That's at Trust Machines Co. to stay up to, to, up to date on what Trust Machines is building. Uh, so yeah, I know I've just uh, done a lot of, of speaking here. Why don't we start getting this group discussion going so you guys can listen to somebody else. We have 
Mark Hendrickson from Leather, who I'm very excited and I've been anticipating having on this show and, and really pumped about everyone else on the panel too. So why don't we just start with Mark? You know, Mark, uh, can you talk to us about what the experience has been like building on Bitcoin? You know, what made you decide to dedicate your career to building on Bitcoin? And obviously, you know, uh, in this conversation, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear some context about Leather itself. But Mark, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, if we go back, let's see, maybe six, seven years, I got into the sort of general topic of decentralized technologies. I think really what rooted my interest in crypto was the idea of providing software that helped individuals really secure their their freedom in general, especially their digital freedom. And I joined Blockstack at the time, which is now called Hero, and uh, really was at the forefront of trying to do more, especially with Bitcoin, to those ends. And for me, Bitcoin is really just the best foundation to to build Web three and and crypto backed technologies. And so, um, you know, for me, I'm I'm really here for the long term. I think we have sort of trends that come and go on a sort of quarterly, yearly basis, what have you. Uh, but I'm I'm interested in building on Bitcoin because I think it's the best hope we have as far as uh, building on a foundation which can really give us software that uh, gives individuals freedom. Yeah, love to hear it. And, you know, I'll uh, be very interested to hear what other panelists think about, you know, the kind of just the foundation of building on Bitcoin. You know, if I think about wallets on Bitcoin, that's a very interesting area to me because as there's more sort of Web3 product that is Bitcoin based, the development of wallets is going to be really important. I also feel like uh, a lot of the, the things that have been driven forward on other blockchains wallet wise will make their way over to Bitcoin and realistically be, uh, you know, developed in a way that eventually uh, you know is a better a better setup what has the wallet development experience been like you know for you mark and how do you view the future of wallets you know on Bitcoin yeah well we really have our origin on a Bitcoin layer so the stacks network is really designed to be a layer to complement Bitcoin as a sort of an l1 so we treat Bitcoin as an l1 and view stacks as an l2. And so to go back now, something like four years when we started the wallet, all of what we were building was really stacks-based because that's where we had smart contracts and everything settled as far as security back to Bitcoin. But all the activity had to take place on, on stacks as a network that was connected but separate from, from Bitcoin. <clears throat> we really saw this year with Ordinal's um, development on uh, Bitcoin as L1 really blew up. And so as a wall provider, it was critical for us to, to capture that, that technological innovation to, to serve that, that that level of the market and and enable more use cases on Bitcoin as L1, which before really just weren't possible. And so uh, that's sort of been our sort of second phase, if you will, of, of development. I think the future is really about this third phase, which is uh, we need to create an experience in which people can go back and forth between Bitcoin as an L1 and L2s like Stacks and, and others as well, I'm sure, are coming and, and really embrace the innovation taking place on, on both layers. Because I, I think we really have this thesis that we're gonna see more growth and experimentation on Bitcoin as an L1 with ordinals and other technologies like stamps. Uh, but we're also gonna see layers really mature and, and develop and become an integral part of the whole equation. So as a wall provider, it's really about creating the best experience so users can move between the, those layers and, and do as much as possible uh, with the advantages of each layer. Yeah, super exciting to have both be developed at the same time. Maybe uh, we can open things up a little bit by discussing building in the the bear market versus in a bull environment. This is something that you know I personally have experienced too, not on the Bitcoin side, but on the quote unquote Web three side. I'd be very curious to hear from Mark on this, and then maybe you know someone else, Rena, Raphael, Brandon, Nick, Billy, you know anyone uh, that can weigh in on you know building in the in the bear market versus the bull, the kind of differences in experience, and you know maybe um, talk. Talking about the kind of the pluses and minuses of both, but yeah, Mark, what's it been like for you to build in in the bear market versus the bull? Yeah, let's say we have had like a, a large scale bear market in crypto since since what early last year, uh, but then I'd say from January onwards, well February onwards of this year, within Bitcoin, we've had sort of a mini bull market within the overall bear context. So it's been a bit of a sort of mixed experience the past year. Um, uh, and the, the pros are obviously when you have a bull market, there's a lot of activity. As a wall provider, you have a lot of new apps, a lot of new users, a lot of new projects um, that are being launched every day. Uh, you wake up every week and you you have something new you, you hadn't thought about the week before. As a wall provider, it's really important that we we work very quickly to support 
emerging technologies and experimentation. And so it's exhilarating. It's um, it's very fulfilling because there's there's a ton of traction and there's a ton of new people pouring into the, the ecosystem. Um, on the downside, of course, it's 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 so frenetic. There's so much going on so quickly that it's hard to actually parse through the sort of signal uh, from the noise. <clears throat> so I, I I don't know if I have a preference per se. I think I probably do have a preference for for bear markets in some ways for for building. I know it's sort of a cliche at this point in crypto that you know that uh, crypto winter winters or bear markets are for building. But there's a reason for that because I think um, it's important for all of us builders to be thinking long term with what we're actually trying to to do here. And bear markets are really the best scenarios or the best sort of circumstances to do that. Uh, the bull markets give us an injection of experimentation and new ideas, but then the, the bear markets let us sort of uh, settle down with those ideas and, and figure out how to build longer term. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, there's certainly more space to think. Uh, I saw Raphael from Hero Systems. Uh, you were emojiing there. Do you have something to you know kind of add on the idea of building in a bear market versus a bull market? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, so actually uh, what Mark just said really resonated with me because uh, I 100% agree that during a bull market, it's, uh, well, at least on my experience, it's more about keeping up with demand. I, I work on, on APIs, specifically on, on Hero, so the demand was through the roof, right? So a lot of users, a lot of traffic, a lot of... Uh, challenges that come with that on api specifically you know keeping it available keeping it performant database problems things like that and during the bear market it's very different uh you know it's more about you know traffic dies down but you have opportunity as you just mentioned to you know do sort of like a team back and think about priorities for uh the next few months what we want to build what we want to achieve um and uh, in my opinion, that's where really the innovation happens because sort of the speculation dies down and the people that remain on the space are people that are actually uh, very, very focused on building the next generation of tools and the next generation of apps uh, for financial freedom and everything else that Mark uh, mentioned. So I actually have a special love for bear mar markets in that regard because I, I, I love building new, new stuff. I love, um, you know, uh, taking new technologies and, and uh, creating uh, useful tools for people to build on top of them. So, yeah, and this year has been great specifically for that because of obviously everything that Ordinals brought into the picture, uh, uh, specifically on Bitcoin. So, yeah, this has been a very uh, rewarding year for me, as uh, Mark also mentioned, like a mini bull market in activity uh, in, within the bear market. But I, I like the fact that it was a mini bull market specifically on developer activity, which is something that I, I love to see, uh, obviously, aside from the more speculative aspect of things. So, yeah, to, to me, it's just it, each period has its own things to enjoy and to sort of like withstand but uh bear markets are you know especially uh great for me i would say yeah i mean i, I love that point rafael that you brought up that there was almost like a mini bull market when it came to engineering on bitcoin building uh in the kind of bitcoin ecosystem specifically hadn't even really thought of that in the context of the bear market uh, i'd like to throw to nick you know nick from gamma um obviously you you all are building a marketplace what's that experience been like you know in a in a bear market environment and how do you kind of you know expect things to kind of develop maybe over the next 12 to 24 months there yeah, first of all, thanks uh, thanks for having me up uh, with this this all star uh, stage cast here. Um, yeah, I, I think I would I would have to echo some of the comments. You know, I I, I do think that you know building in the bear can be um, you know uh, a fun experience just as much as it is to be you know in the in the heat of the bull market. You do kind of you know get to be a little bit more heads down and, and focused. And you know, I I think like this. Uh, if, if we, you know, sadly all agree we're in a bear market right now, you know, I think this bear market is, is actually, um, you know, a special one in some ways in that, you know, we're, we're still early enough, at least in the context of ordinals and, you know, uh, other, other new technologies that are coming to the Bitcoin space, um, such that 
we're all able to build new things and, and we're able to, you know, identify new use cases and we're able to connect new audiences and, you know, all of these great things. But we're, we're sort of like perfectly timed enough to be able to work with lots of other builders who've sort of identified the same things. Uh, and so I think that's really like what has enabled the last six months, you know, or, or so of the ridiculous like acceleration we've seen uh, from sort of like ground zero here of, of the ordinal space, especially where there was almost no tooling whatsoever. There were like, you know, no real like meta protocols on top. There were no great standards that were set. And now in a matter of a half a year, um, all of these teams sort of identified this this single problem to solve together and advance this space all together while still actually building different things. It's not even that everyone is competing with one another to build the exact same thing. We we sort of all have like, you know, these these huge mountains of, of work to do, but we're able to move so much faster and sort of like synergistically uh, together. So anyway, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's like, there's no better time to be uh, to be building in the space, and um, I think you know it'll be it'll be great to see even more builders join in and and really amplify that even further. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, it's it's so cool to hear the optimism that's pretty universal when I talk to people that are building in the Bitcoin ecosystem. I think because of some of the kind of technological advancements that Raphael was pointing out and talking about, and how those are so new to Bitcoin. You know, Nick, obviously, you, you brought up ordinals, you brought up that kind of um, you know advancement um, in the ecosystem. I'd be curious to hear from Billy. You know, as an artist and and a rare sat hunter, obviously, this idea of hunting rare sats, at least from my perspective wasn't super duper mainstream pre-ordinals. Um, I'd love to hear what the experience has been like for you, you know, with having quite a bit of hype on ordinals earlier this year, like that kind of initial white hot, um, you know, hype that comes along with new technology in a space like ours, and then having things just kind of come down to earth a little bit and become a, a you know, a little bit more, um, you know, realistic. W what's that experience been like? W what's the status of, of, you know, hunting rare sats and being an artist with an ordinals focus. I'd love to hear about it. Oh man. I mean, this year has been insane, but yeah, you slap a moving average on everything and it's actually pretty healthy. I mean, um, ordinals were going parabolic when NFTs were having a really, really dark period. So I think that was a really interesting dynamic just to see everyone kind of flock to, you know, something that was going up in a sea of red. And, um, it was just cool to have, you know, every every Twitter space talking about Bitcoin and questioning, like, is this here to stay? And then, you know, the strong convicted people are just like, you know, they see the asymmetric upside. But this this is an interesting bear market, right? It's we just had a a bull market within a bear market within an overall larger bull market. I mean, think about that. That's crazy. I think it's always a good time to build on Bitcoin. Um the fact that you know I'm using a secure wallet on my mobile phone, buying ordinals in a bar in Miami, is just still mind blowing to me. Um, yeah, maybe maybe people aren't like flipping tons of volume, like well pointed out. But um, I went to try and buy sub sub one k ordinals, and people are not letting those things go for less than like thirty grand. So yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed that's really interesting with the with if you're interacting with Bitcoin, you know, a lot of it is the multiplier on the fee rate. And last year, you know, you look at fees and it's like people were paying one sat per V byte. What kind of broken bear market is this where I have to pay 25 sats per V byte, which it is right now? So for anyone listening, you know, you're basically multiplying the data, just a, a basic transaction, you know, could be one kilobyte. So you're basically um, you know, multiplying that, inscribing an image, 400 kilobytes, you know, you multiply that by the fee rate and it could be quite expensive. Um, but I love the bear markets because of the focus. I can't focus during, um, you know, these massive bull runs where Tesla's buying Bitcoin, it's going up 20% in a day, literally my day shot. I can't focus <laughs> just every, like the amount of buzz and energy. Um, so I love these times. Um, but I guess my point was this feels different because of all the development and the building 
it's almost like, you know, we just had a period of three weeks where I was inscribing everything under the sun because the fee rates were low and attention was off and ordinals were dead, right? Dead, the meme dead. Um, and, and it's crazy. Like, it's just crazy to see constant usage of the network instead of just buying and hodling. And um, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to be a part of. Um, for me specifically with, with sat hunting, which I'm just super passionate about and I just have strong conviction on, on this being a, a long-term thing. And I'm just trying to kind of um, treat these as, as collectibles, just another meta on Bitcoin. Um, you know, as we know, the Ordinals protocol assigns a serial number to each Satoshi. And it's just really cool to have these digital diamonds and just kind of explore that meta just over the past two weeks, for an example of development, there's two peer-to-peer marketplaces that have spun up for rare sats, um, satting.io and magisat.io, along with several others that are going to be dropping soon. And it's really incredible. I mean, I tested it out. You know, you can, let's say you find an uncommon, you can go on there, you can list it with a PSBT, which is a partially signed Bitcoin transaction. So th there's no wallet drainers here. You can't just say, hey, give OpenSea, you know, access to my entire Moonbird collection, you know, there's none of that. So it's pretty cool. You just sign half the transaction and then the buyer fulfills the other side and it does, you know, essentially like an atomic swap. So it's pretty cool, man. Like um, I, I listed a 2012 Uncommon the other day just to see what the market was doing and someone bought it for $800. So there's definitely, it, it's cool you know, up until this point, the people with the supply were setting the prices. Now it's cool to see price discovery and seeing the free market set prices, supply and um, demand. Just see that, see that in action, and kind of see where where things take us. But overall, it's just incredible that things are working, people are using it, and just to see the excitement around Bitcoin. Um, rambling on here, but <laughs> no, that was great. No, Billy, we appreciate the context and that was fantastic. I also like that you pointed out, you know, maybe the difference between price and substance. And this is something that I, I talk about on, on the different podcasts that we do, uh, you know, quite a bit is like people get so obsessed with price. When Mike Alfred was on the show, I think it was two weeks ago, Mike Alfred was on the show and he said, you would think that Bitcoin is down on the year, given some of the sentiment that you'll see day to day, you know, on X or in some of these different communities. And it's just because of recent price action, right? Whereas if you had bought Bitcoin on January 1st of this year, you're still up a considerable amount. So the obsession with price is very present, but just hearing, you know, talking about you talking about using a mobile wallet to buy an ordinal at a bar on Bitcoin in 2023, that's some, you know, pretty damn juicy stuff compared to, you know, even two or three years ago. Sure, the price was at, you know, $60,000 plus at one point in that time, but that doesn't change that the kind of substance is developing. Um, you know, speaking of substance and speaking of building on Bitcoin, I want to throw to Rena and then to Brandon. Uh, Rena, I'd love to hear some perspective from you on, you know, kind of building in the bull versus the bear or any commentary on uh, anything that our other panelists have brought up. I think what's really different about like building in the bear market right now is this is actually the first time that most of the G20 countries and such are actually taking a very active policy approach on Bitcoin versus any other chain or asset. So there is some form of universal alignment that major countries are recognizing Bitcoin not only just as an asset, but as a chain to use as well. So it is giving a pseudo kind of green light at least on there is something of value to build with this chain as opposed to just speculating with it obviously this morning's news of etfs with franklin templeton was like another sign of hey there could still be a bear market going on but people are still interested in bitcoin fundamentals and what they value at the end of day is something that's going to be there for them forever. And so I see some value in that as well. And then the last take I'd have is on more like bear market building. From all the other life, life cycles of crypto, we have washed out so much of speculation and hype. Ironically, um, some team members and I were talking about this this morning, and we've come to the point that we are looking for real world functionality for Web3 for 10 years instead of right now. Like, yes, we can trade. Yes, we can do these types of things. But what will a consumer look like 10 years from now is very different. And 
this particular market of bear builders are thinking for a decade out, not tomorrow's trade. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, Rena. That's actually something I wanted to get to. Maybe we can touch on it now. I hear so much that is focused on like, you know, for the next bull run for the next bull market, for the next bull. We need to build this so that it's ready for the next bull. Is that something that factors into you know the day-to-day -day operations in your world at all, the day-to-day -day strategy? Or, or for you guys, is it a pure play, you know, decade out, make something that lasts forever uh, sort of approach? It's definitely a balancing act. There is short-term user growth and acquisition that we want to capture in take user feedback to build something now for them because any product should be consumer driven by your actual customers. We're here to serve you. But then there is like a mission oriented visionary quest of we don't have a crystal ball of what humanity will look like a decade from now, but we have ambitious strides that we want to make. I think anything touching Bitcoin is meant to be an inclusive mission. And so we want to kind of emulate that for our long-term strategy as well. So it's a little bit of both. Love to hear a little bit of both. Uh, Brandon, obviously you work with Rena at Trust Machines. Any other uh, you know, context or insight that you could give you know, on what we're talking about? And then we can kind of switch the subject up a little bit. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I've been through a couple you know, Bitcoin cycles and I, I definitely have to say this is easily the most exciting bear market that we've ever that i've ever been in or maybe that ever there ever has been um for me on the social side you know i'm really focused on you know writing a lot of threads for trust machines uh and now leather wallet and there's just you know there's been so much to keep up with this year it's been it's been really crazy um you know i've i've tweeted about it personally but like with all the building that's happened with ordinals and you know, all this new news about all these roll-ups and everything else that's happening. Um, you know, for, for me, like I've learned more about Bitcoin this year than any of the years that I've been, you know, in the space uh, easily. Like, you know, through ordinals, like I, I, before this year, I could never have told you like what Taproot was, right? Like I, all, of the, all of that stuff, right? Um, so it's really helped me to like reinforce a lot of my beliefs about Bitcoin. And, you know, the challenge for me on the social side is, you know, people are generally less excited about Bitcoin and crypto during this time. Um, so it's really just trying to generate that excitement. And uh, like, you know, some folks have already mentioned, uh, you know, it kind of helps to kind of weed out some of the people that are not as interested in, you know, the tech. And it just helps to kind of reinforce a lot of those beliefs on kind of the long term value proposition of Bitcoin. So yeah, it's just, it's been a very exciting time. And um, yeah, I mean, there, I know there's a lot, there's a lot more to go, but it's uh, so far been a really, really exciting year. Yeah. And I mean, Brandon, you know, because you're able to provide that context from like a social perspective, you know, social media growth and things like that, that is a pretty interesting topic. And that's actually a topic that gets brought up, you know, during bull periods too. I remember uh, Plan B, you know, very uh, kind of polarizing figure, a polarizing character in the Bitcoin ecosystem. I remember listening to a podcast where he said that he actually looks at his growth on social media platforms as an indicator of where you know we were at in the bitcoin cycle because those moments of explosive growth um they kind of point to a certain uh, part of the cycle and anybody that's tried growing a social media platform or you know a youtube channel or anything like that in in like a you know bitcoin or crypto niche um knows that it's just significantly easier to do when the price is exploding upward um have you had to make you know big time adjustments to your strategy because now you know we don't we're not getting 150 percent uh, month over month increases in price and, and maybe a 10% increase is more realistic during this period. Yeah, definitely our, our focus this year has been really largely on education. Um, you know, we've pumped out so many different Twitter threads on all these different topics. Um, kind of like Reno was saying, you know, with like the, the Franklin Templeton news, um, you know, that didn't move the market at all. Right. So there's like all these like you know, all these things that would potentially have moved the market otherwise that like, you know, aren't right now because we're in this market. So, you know, it's about building and um, I've, you know, tweeted about it a little bit before, 
um, you know, you don't have to be like a developer to be a builder, uh, right? Like I'm not, I'm not a developer. I'm not an engineer. I'm probably the one of the least smartest people maybe on this panel right now. But um, you know, I think everybody has the ability to be a Bitcoin builder, um, and that means you know through education, through um, you know just kind of helping to spread the word. So. Um, yeah, that, that's really what we've been focused on a lot is uh, is that education piece and really just trying to bring as much value as we can through education. Yeah, love to hear it. And, and Mark, you raised your hand. Something to add uh, based on what Brandon said? Yeah, I was actually going to comment on something that Rena said uh, just before that, um, just in terms of uh, building for the next bull market and just how much we sort of calibrate around that versus the long term. I think one realization that's really I mean, I've, this has been sort of, um, I've been conscious of this for a while, but I think in this, especially the last few months as ordinals has sort of quieted down, um, that I've, I've come back to is that, you know, it's all good to have sort of top level numbers as far as like total, total users and total transactions, all that stuff that you have historically. But what I really care about taking from these, these bull markets and applying during bear markets is, uh, what are the true believers that are sticking around still doing? And so I think there's, there's sort of a subset, if you will, of, of the folks that rush in during the, the bull markets uh, that stick around during the bear markets. And whether it's um, just measuring sort of the, the sort of anonymous metrics that we have around, okay, people who joined four months ago, what are they still doing today? What are their behaviors? Uh, trying to reach out to them via different channels so we can actually have qualitative discussions with them around what they're in it for. That for me is, is a key thing to do uh, during bear markets. And your hope is that you can learn from those those folks, um, so that the next bull market you actually get more folks like them, right? Because the, the the dangerous thing that we all sort of I think can get trapped into doing is <clears throat> is really building too much for the folks that are just going to come in when the when the weather when the weather is good and then rush out when the weather is bad. And it takes um, close analysis to distinguish between the two. And um, so I, I think there's sort of there's a harvesting period, if you will, from the bear markets or from the, the bull markets that you're you're doing in the bear markets. Uh, and trying to sort of sift through just who's going to be there with you long term and who can you build around. Yeah, it's it's fascinating for me to hear that, you know, proactively from you, Mark, because uh, I do think that there is an audience that's kind of an extractive, uh, you know, consumer, so to speak. And if you build for that audience, then, you know, uh, it'll be good when things are good. But as soon as things are, aren't good anymore, um, everything that you built was kind of for nothing because that audience just took what they could and, and they're gone. Um, yeah, I mean, look, that, you know, fascinating stuff there. Uh, reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions questions for uh, any of the panelists, just click on that bubble in the bottom right corner of your screen. Our producer, Clemente, is monitoring the comments and he will let us know any questions um, that he thinks uh, are worth asking to the panelists. If you want to actually come on stage and and you know ask a question or contribute to the conversation, please do. A reminder that the show is done in partnership with Trust Machines. You see the Trust Machines account on stage. You can also go to trustmachines.co to learn more more about trust machines building on Bitcoin, including products like leather, uh, which, you know, obviously we're lucky enough to have Mark with us today to talk about leather. You know, one thing that I wanted to ask everybody about is because everyone here is building what I would describe, you know, modern technology on Bitcoin. Um, I'd be curious, maybe we can start with, with Nick. Um, you know, is there any sort of, um, you know, how much does like the potential pushback that other parts of the Bitcoin, you know, other sections of the Bitcoin community, you know, maybe those that disagree with the approach of building some of this new technology on Bitcoin, building things that might look like uh, other areas of crypto actually on Bitcoin? Because I know that there's been, you know, taboo moments surrounding this in the past. Is that something that that matters at all um, or affects, you know, the the building process at all? I would just love to know, you know, starting with Nick, um, is that something that really comes into, into play in a major way? Yeah, I think this is a, this is a really, you know, a, a fun topic to talk about, especially today. Uh, sorry to, to date this, this pod here, but today is Apple Keynote Day. Uh, and it's, it's, of course, you know, I'm a little bit of an Apple fanboy myself. So uh, it's it's always something that I sort of you know keep up and and take a look at and I think you know there's there's maybe like an interesting parallel here uh, on on this particular you know topic and and several other things as well it's like you know Apple is 
you know, you, you can certainly find some complaints with them in, in, in a number of areas, but uh, they're certainly innovative in a lot of ways. They're certainly driving, you know, technology forward in a number of ways. Um, but they're also, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, march to the beat of their own drum and, and they're willing to, you know, make certain decisions that might be a little bit unpopular for one reason or another. Uh, and usually you find that in hindsight, there was a pretty like wise decision that they made because they, they thought about this in the long term. They thought about what's like the best decision to make for the long term. Uh, and, and of course, their marketing brilliance uh, helps them as well in, in really crafting that story and, and you know, making it make sense for consumers in, in really relatable ways. So I, I think like, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a parallel here, like, you know, there will always be sort of like people who don't understand why you're doing something a certain way or, or whatnot. But if you have those convictions on the long term and you, you know, believe in what you're building, you believe that you're building on Bitcoin, you believe that, you know, it is the the most time tested, the most decentralized, uh, immutable kind of, you know, settlement layer on the Internet uh, that, that you can, you know, use to to settle whatever information you want to settle. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, you can kind of try to dismiss the the haters and and sort of just like try to build the best products. But I, I think the second thing, though, is like you, you should still be listening to the feedback and you should still be making sure that what you're building is going to make sense to the average person. Like, you know, you, you shouldn't be building something that is incredibly esoteric such that only the Bitcoin builders that are here during the bear market are ever going to appreciate it either. Like it sort of needs to be balanced here. Um, and, and, you know, echoing a lot of the things that, that Rena and Mark and, and others were saying, like, you know, balancing that building for 10 years from now, which, you know, who knows what that's exactly going to be like, you better have strong convictions and principles and build towards that. But at the same time, balancing, uh, what is going to make like a normie uh, see something and realize like okay there might be there might be something that I'm interested in here. Um, it's not about uh, you know tying it back to Apple and then I'll pass it off to someone else. Like it's not about like uh, you know you can sure tout like oh I have this new three nanometer chip or I have this crazy powerful neural engine and that's gonna you know make some like technophiles excited. Uh, but but ultimately it's like am I going to be able to click a button? And say, can I get a latte in English and have that convert it to some other language while I'm on vacation so that I can order my latte when I'm in a coffee shop? Like, that's so much more interesting to me as as just like a normie consumer. So we need to sort of like find those experiences uh, for each of our use cases and apps and, and kind of help drive those forward. I mean, too. fantastic points there, Nick. I want to throw to Brandon, then to Mark, and then we actually have a new speaker on stage, hashmaster4.btc. So excited uh, to have some you know fresh blood up here. Um, but Nick, it's actually funny. There's one parallel. One thing that I remember is I, talk, I had a conversation with someone because obviously, you know, our, our business is uh, our business is a digital collectibles business, which I'm sure since you're building a marketplace, Nick, you're very familiar with. I just bring this up because I spoke with a heavy hitter from the traditional collectibles world, someone that assisted with you know building Beckett magazine from the ground up, which I'm sure you trading card folks and you know comic book folks uh, out there might know Beckett magazine. He talked about the history of comic books and he talked about how at one point uh, the comic books that were coming out were just for a shrinking audience and they were. Just just getting you know more and more esoteric, you know less and less uh, consumable for the mainstream, and the comic book industry was basically facing a crisis where they had to figure out if they were going to fully you know kind of restart and try to attract a mainstream audience. And obviously, we we know what happened. They they basically did, and this is before Marvel movies and everything like that. But this can happen in spaces, and you know on the on the NFT side, I think you already saw it happen uh, over the past couple of years, and the NFT space is trying to figure out. Like, well, which way do we go from here? Uh, Brandon, I saw you raise your hand. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you and then we can go to Mark. Yeah, just to add on, uh, Nick was talking about uh, Apple's event. It's uh, funny. It made me think of uh, in my uh, in my Web 2 days, uh, I worked at Microsoft for some time and uh, they had the idea of technology fading into the background. I'm sorry, my dog is here with the, with the toy. You're good. We'll, we'll take care of that. Um yeah, they had this idea of technology fading into the background. And I think that's a really powerful uh, idea when it comes to designing user interfaces and 
uh, technology on Bitcoin, right? With all these layers and all these things that are, um, you know, being built on Bitcoin, like the the average mainstream person uh, doesn't want to think about that stuff, right? They just want to be able to deposit their Bitcoin, send it, use it without having to worry about all the complications of, oh, I need to maybe bridge to this, you know, asset or swap to this asset, right? So um, I think that's definitely still something that, uh, you know, we still have some opportunities with and is definitely getting getting better. And uh, on, you know, on, on top of that as well, like a lot of Bitcoiners also have a lot of aversion towards like, you know, other tokens and other networks and things like that. So I think it kind of helps both with like the mainstream audience uh but then also like the super diehard like bitcoiners um and there's all these new technologies that are coming out now with like ordinals and dlcs and stuff that kind of are using native bitcoin um so it's really exciting you know that uh that a lot of this stuff is is getting built yeah couldn't agree more uh mark i saw you raise your hand what's going on yeah i think um just Nick touched on a, a subtle but important point, which is <clears throat> I think when the tide goes out and we're in a, a bear market, uh, there's there's um, yeah perhaps this risk of building just esoteric sort of uh, technology for esoteric use cases for folks who are inside of crypto so much that um, they really just live in the bubble and we're not we're not sort of looking outside of it. And I think with each bull run, I think what we have is of course that sort of uh, part of the user base, of course, gets very excited, very active. And then when things die down, they're still around as well, right? Because they're there for the long term. But I think each bull run also brings in more more normies as well, who are also sticking around longer term. I think there's there's sort of folks that wouldn't join this Twitter space that are also getting pulled in more uh, more permanently each time. And I think it's 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 necessary for us to, of course, listen to people who are in crypto and especially in, in Bitcoin and doing all this innovation. But it's not sufficient for us to just build for them. And so making that distinction distinction so that you you make enough effort to appeal to the each each sort of wave of, of normies that, that come in and also also stick around is it's it's that's super important and it's also very hard to do because i think the easiest thing to do is to turn on twitter and listen to people who are in crypto or in bitcoin right um and so i think it does behoove all of us to try to get to know our users uh as well as possible i know that's sort of standard sort of uh, startup advice uh, but in our case, make sure you sort of, in some ways, you know, listen and, and, and appeal to the folks who are in crypto and Bitcoin, yes, but then kind of say, okay, put them to the side for a second and actually look at the other folks that have come and stuck around that, uh, that don't, don't think about this on a, on a technical level and they don't, um, they don't have the same sort of um, relationship with it. And uh, we have to sort of grow that part of the pie over time. Yeah, very well put. Uh, Raphael? Yeah, I, I just wanted to add um, something that I, I thought a few days ago that um, sometimes, I mean, for example, if you, we know that Taproot had a very, very big push from the community, including people uh, like uh, Bitcoin maximalists, as, as you were mentioning earlier, to be activated. But I, I think that would have been a very, very different story if... Uh, people like that knew that it would enable something like ordinals and, and uh, it, it just would never have happened, you know, and it's sort of, uh, it, the thought came to me that it's sort of like a miracle, you know, that uh, we, I mean, the Bitcoiner community, specifically Casey, figured out how to build ordinals on top of Taproot once it had already activated, right? And this created this explosion of innovation on Bitcoin. So, Sometimes it, it takes somebody to think outside of the box and outside of the like uh, previously accepted uh, ways of operation, you know, uh, and cultural norms in, in a community to really bring it back to life. So I think, I mean, I fully agree with what Mark and Nick were saying and Brandon as well. Like sometimes you have to be, you know, keep your conviction and, uh, believing what you're building and even if you have a specific number of people that are against it or are naysayers or something uh, actually just focus on bringing value to uh, the rest of uh, the world right and i think that that is a powerful idea that will eventually continue to move bitcoin forward 
Very, very well put. I'm loving this conversation. Uh, I want to you know, put one more topic of, of conversation out there before we wrap, but I wanted to welcome Hashmaster4.btc. Don't believe he's ever been on the show before. Chief Strategy Officer at Valar BTC. Looks like you're xcrypto.com. Hashmaster4, uh, what prompted you to request to speak? Hey, guys. Hi. I'm just saying hi from Singapore, uh, here for Token2049. Uh, I was there around Domo and Casey and meeting all these cool people from Xverse and so on. And the vibe is insane here, right? So we're all building for the next cycle. But honestly, I thought that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know about what's being happening on the Bitcoin space, especially on the sidechain side. But getting to speak to people on the ground here, uh, interacting with everybody here, um, honestly, everybody from even like the developer community from the VCs and so on, everybody's looking at the space and looking into how, you know, we move uh, layer one Bitcoin into layer two and how we move transaction speeds going forward. And it's just exciting, exciting to see like, uh, you know, what's the next thing, next big thing on Bitcoin. But honestly, uh, from my perspective, uh, the biggest thing that we need to address as a community is how we address the security budget issue of Bitcoin. Anything that contributes towards security budget in terms of like ordinals or sidechains uh, that is, you know, uh, of posting transaction on the block space is very important. And uh, if we build towards that, we'll have a Bitcoin economy moving forward to enjoy the true decentralized sound money that we're all you know preparing for that's all yeah I ab- say. thank you oh absolutely well appreciate you joining the show great contribution i hope you're having a great time out there uh in in that part of the world wish i could have gone you know got a lot of uh, obligations here could make it out there this time but maybe next time um you know last kind of topic of conversation i want to bring up is you know because everyone on stage right now um you know i think it's safe to say is dedicating their professional career to building on bitcoin which i think is fantastic um you know i'm curious how do your peers uh, i'm assuming not every single you know person in your uh, personal and professional network is doing the same thing i'm assuming you have people that you went to college with people that you worked with at previous jobs maybe that were before um, you know before you were dedicated to Bitcoin and, and building in this space I'd love to know how those people perceive the work that you're doing because I can speak from my experience there's a lot of my my uh, kind of friends and people that I used to work with that don't have any understanding of you know the space and and really don't even understand that there is a space and is an industry and and are legitimate companies i mean uh, i'm not even exaggerating they they really like you know aren't able to process that so i'm just curious um you know we've had people that came from the finance world uh you know higher ups at, at really big name financial firms on this show and i've asked them the same question and it's been fascinating to hear their perspective maybe we can start uh i guess with mark and then kind of go around like you know how how the people outside of the space that you know from your personal and professional life actually perceive you know what you're dedicating your career to yeah so i have uh contacts from other parts in tech uh other sort of sectors that um i've spoken to about this uh and also of course friends and family and i'd say the the general sentiment i think the folks that i know they're they're actually pretty well read about the technology and Mm -hmm. how blockchain works and how bitcoin uh, uh, works as, uh, as well. Uh, I think the thing that they, and I think they had a lot of interest, especially two years ago in the bull run as far as, oh, like maybe actually starting to get turned on to this and thinking, okay, this might, this might actually be changing, uh, society in fundamental ways. Uh, of course, price helps to drive that, that attention and, and validate things. Um, I think, uh, since the crash, I think the, the sort of the, the counterweight to that has been this, this huge sort of resurgence, if you will, of just, Focusing on the sort of um, the failures and the scams and the, the FTXs uh, of, the, of the sector, and so I think the, fo- the folks I know, their I think their 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 view of it is currently tarnished by the the bad actors and the, uh, the sort of cheap uh, sort of side of things, and uh, skeptical that long term we can actually build something that's 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 worth durable value. So I think it's really up to us to uh, to essentially prove them wrong, and. Um, you know the folks that I know that are that, that understand crypto the way I do and they value it the way that, that I do. They they tend to be working in crypto because I think it's once it once it clicks for you, I think it, it it's a huge pull and people have a hard time resisting. 
Yeah, once you take the orange pill, you go all in. Uh, Nick, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, then we can go to Raphael. Yeah, this is a this is a fun one. I think it's uh, you know, I'll be honest, it's a mixed bag. Uh, but that's 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 a good thing, I think, because that's an improvement. I think, you know, if you asked the same question like five years ago, uh, it it you know would have been a lot more skepticism and and you know maybe other <laughs> insert you know less positive sort of feelings. I think I agree with you know with some of the things that Mark said around. Uh, you know, some of some of the bad actors tarnishing certain things. But I think actually uh, there's a lot of openness to, especially given, you know, uh, you know, when you talk to people in um, especially other countries uh, that have, you know, weaker currencies and, and financial systems, there's for much longer been sort of an openness to uh, Bitcoin, especially, Um you know, from a financial side and medium of exchange and sort of just like the sort of sound money argument. And I think that uh, there is a little bit of, you know, um, more, you know, like receptiveness uh, when when talking to people in like day-to-day life just around now the U.S. because the U.S. dollar is just being inflated more and more and more. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to sound sort of like happy when I say this because it's it's a horrible thing, but it's it's sort of good for Bitcoin in other ways. So um, I think that you know there's there's definitely signs of further education, further adoption, uh, at least awareness and willingness to learn more. I think that's the key thing. Um, and then I'd say like from a slightly different angle, from like um, more of like a product side of things, uh, I, I always find it fun. And you know, both me and and certainly our 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 designer Derek. You know, I, he's constantly saying how, you know, he takes whatever we're building and he likes to show it to his wife or he likes to show it to like a normie of some kind, whatever friends it is, and be like, what makes sense? What doesn't make sense? And sort of, you know, taking that opportunity to be like, what are the things that we just have our blinders on about uh, because we're in the space and we're too deep and not realizing that like, the average person is not going to care about this or not going to understand it. And I, I think there's like so much to learn there. And, and through that process, you learn that there's a lot of things that people see and they go, Oh, that's actually really cool. I had no idea you could use Bitcoin for that. Right. I had no idea that Bitcoin could benefit me in that way. So I think, uh, yeah, still a mixed bag moving in the right direction. Uh, but I think there's things that we can do to sort of, uh, you know, get there a little bit faster. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the name of the game, right? Uh, Raphael, do you have any perspective to share on this one? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, Mark and Nick uh, nailed it. I, I would add that um, I usually like to draw the parallel uh, between how crypto and Bitcoin is right now as to how the internet was like in the mid to late 90s. So be- because in in that time period, I mean, there were just so few people building on the internet and, uh, you know, creating the applications that we now take for granted. And the, I, I guess the usual reaction of other people that heard the idea of the internet, uh, a lot of people had the reaction of like, why would you want to do that, right? Like when you have the radio or when you have the telephone and things like that. So I think right now we're living in sort of the same time period. And it's funny how uh, technology usually works the way it works and uh, grows the way it grows. So I, I, um, I sort of understand the reaction that a lot of people have to the idea of Bitcoin. Uh, but there are certain aspects that are definitely helping to increase adoption, like uh, Nick just mentioned, uh, the access to U.S. dollars and, and other financial aspects, which is the, you know, the most obvious use case for Bitcoin. But I think... We're just scratching the surface of everything and, and all the uh, applications and innovation that uh, crypto and Bitcoin will bring to the world in the next few years and decades, right? I mean, we, I don't think we can even imagine all the, the things and how the world is going to work uh, in the future. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of keep building uh, and uh, that new applications will draw more people in, especially, you know, more normie people that don't want to bother with bridges and uh, peg-ins, peg-outs and things like that. They just want to use uh, an application that works, sort of like the way we use X today. I mean, it's built 
on top of uh, TCP IP and HTTP and all of these communication protocols that are super complex, but you just use the app and it works, right? Uh, I guess that's where we want to go. That That is the goal. And, and um, I, I think I'm very, very confident that we'll get to that point in the future. Yeah, that'll be an incredible point to get to. Uh, Rena, you were a petroleum engineer before the Bitcoin career. Uh, what do those folks think about the switch you made? Ironically, they love it because oil and gas is being used to power Bitcoin mining right now. So they are so excited that they are not obsolete. Um, but it's a, it's definitely an interesting case because when I first joined kind of the Bitcoin ecosystem in 20, maybe 15, that's actually when oil went negative. So like when a commodity goes negative, people have no idea of like what the meaning of a commodity is and that was the time when um, Bitcoin was also denoted as a commodity. So it's like a very weird shift for people in my previous industry using used to a physical good like oil versus a digital good like Bitcoin. And um, as technology has evolved over nearly, you know, many years from um, many years from 2016 till now, there is a shift of what does it mean to provide value? So oil for historic context has been this, the, the value for the world to be able to power whatever you need to do and basically allow you to live your life. Now there's like a fundamental shift of should your value, the commodity that you use your, in your daily life have uh, government ties or things like that or restrictions and people are going back to what it means to use Bitcoin because you were kind of freeing yourself from previous ethos that you didn't necessarily need to have. And I think a lot of like folks in the oil industry are now seeing there is a fundamental shift of energy is a physical thing, but it's also a loose concept. And there is like energy per se with Bitcoin and they want to be a part of it. So that's how I feel. I think the oil industry is like very much aligned with Bitcoin. And now I'm getting like phone calls from people that I worked with 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, I didn't even think of that. That's awesome and kind of funny. Uh, makes sense that the, the oil industry would be on board with Bitcoin, uh, especially given mainstream and narratives that they hear. Uh, Brandon, I think you're the, the last one, or no, we'll go to Billy too, but Brandon, any perspective, uh, people from your, your past careers or um, you know friends and family, any perspectives on what you do now that are funny or interesting? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's actually not something that I talk about too much with friends and family. Uh, I kind of feel like uh, there's like that that meme of like the guy at the party that's like in the corner and he's saying something like, you know, I don't they don't know that the Bitcoin having is like less than a year away or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's not not something that I talk about too much. I mean, for me, like I, I have a hard enough time trying to explain to my mom what a social media manager is, like much less like Bitcoin, um, but. You know, I think generally, like, I had a conversation with somebody actually over this weekend, and uh, they were they were sharing that you know they had uh, a couple of years ago they had purchased Ethereum after like some one of their friends like told them to, right? And then later on, he just kind of sold it, doesn't really think about it too much. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that have a really similar experience where like some friend try like tells them how amazing you know something is, right? And then tells them to go buy Bitcoin, um, but they don't really like properly explain why, you know, why, why it's important. Like they just are speculating purely on price. Um, and then they kind of lose interest and kind of forget about it. And it's kind of that second discovery that usually ends up clicking with people. Um, I had a similar, you know, journey myself, uh, kind of onboarding onto Bitcoin. So, you know, I think that's why it's really important and relevant to, build you know during these these bear markets kind of going back to what we were talking about at the top of the show because you know like it or not you know this price speculation kind of brings in a ton of fresh interest in bitcoin and um with the having coming up things like that you know that's going to be a hot topic um so i think it's really important to you know just kind of build with that in mind um and you know it's getting closer we got we're running out of time it's getting closer. Uh, Billy, when you tell people that you're a rare sat hunt hunter, uh, you know how, how, how oh, quickly God. do they go, can I sign up? I'm not trying to melt their brains quite yet. Um, 
I want to piggyback on what Brandon was saying. Yeah, until the devs can fix the number go up technology, um, there's just going to be a lull. And that is the reality. You know, people come for the massive price appreciation, you know, the the highest, the largest growth out of any asset class in the history of mankind. You know, they come for that and then maybe they stay for some other things. I think the price is probably the most least interesting thing about Bitcoin at this point and just kind of numb to the ups and downs after dollar cost averaging for so long. But yeah, I think the reality is, especially here in America, you know, you see the adoption rates in Africa, Nigeria, uh, specifically, they're insane, like 50 to 80%. Like until there's an event where, you know, some of these, I don't know, Westerners actually need it. I think we're just kind of, it's just going to be that kind of asset class, you know, in quotes, reserved for the rich, so to speak. Um, you know, the, the stock market's almost at all time highs. People's net worths are at all time highs. Meanwhile, you know, people can't afford housing. I mean, stuff stuff is um, stuff is breaking in front of our eyes. I think the the stage is set. You know, whether you like institutions getting involved, you know, if BlackRock was a country, it'd be like the third largest country by um, you know market cap. It's just insane, and the fact that they have um, the fact that they have you know a four out of five mining companies. They are the largest stakeholder. Is just insane. So I feel like the stage is set. Can you? The stage is just set and um, it really is just going to take that kind of price appreciation to kind of get some attention back on and then just for people to kind of see what's what's been going on here behind the scenes, what's been being built, um, just the sheer development and excitement on Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, for me, like anecdotally, like my friends call me uh, Bitcoin Bill and it's not in a it's not in a good way. It's just that kind of like odd like you were saying like the person at the party but uh, i was playing poker with a uh, a dozen guys and it came up and a lot of eye rolls a lot of like that's just as boring as talking about interest rates blah 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 and that's just kind of where it is it's so ubiquitous now that everyone knows what it is but they don't know why they should care they don't know the federal reserve isn't actually federal like that's that's just sometimes it's a non-starter they don't understand how money is created and just how bad things are because they're not involved. They don't care. They're trying to live their lives and be happy. So I think until there's a reason um, for more people to kind of care and to be self-sovereign and to understand that you're loaning, you know, the bank's money and that's their liability. I think we're a far, a far ways out, but I'm absolutely stunned by just these sheer developments and the fact that the market can't even rally on a Bitcoin ETF <laughs> about to be passed. Like if you look at gold and the GLD ETF, when that was passed, the just sheer amount of billions of inflows in the first week is um, paralyzing. So yeah, I'm here for it. I think the stage is set for some some massive growth and adoption. You know, reality is number goes up, CNBC starts talking about it, and that's when people get involved. So, uh, you know, we'll monitor it. We'll see what happens. I think we we continue to build. One thing I was thinking about with Ornals is Ethereum. The last bull cycle, we saw this explosion, DeFi summer, NFTs, people buying art for millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. But there wasn't an L2 at the time when it really needed a layer two. Um, fees were going bananas. By the time there were all these L2s, now we have too many and no one needs them, right? So it's kind of interesting. And I was thinking about ordinals. Um, people were paying seven Bitcoin via spreadsheets in Discord for an ordinal punk in February. Imagine if we had the infrastructure we have right now, <laughs> it would have just been insane. So now that we have that infrastructure, some of the volume has gone away. And that kind of just reminds me of that thing. Um, but just a reminder that you have to build from the ground up with the infra and just be prepared for that explosion of growth because you're never going to be able to build it while it's happening.
Yeah, I mean, well put, uh, Bitcoin Bill. Uh, really, really funny that you say that. I, I know a guy and and his like best friend exclusively. Could be, the guy works as a salesperson, you know, an enterprise level salesperson for a blockchain company, and his good friend exclusively calls him crypto, which uh, I've always just gotten a, a kick out of it. Like literally just referring to him as crypto. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. This is the Bitcoin Show. Happens every week at two p.m. Eastern time, right here on Twitter Spaces. We will be back next week with more kick-ass guests and strong discussions about all things Bitcoin. Reminder that the show is done in partnership with Trust Machines, the company growing the Bitcoin economy by building applications all on Bitcoin and its various layers. You see the Trust Machines account right here co-hosting the show. Reminder that Trust Machines just announced the launch of Leather, and obviously we touched upon the release with Mark today. Uh, this is the Bitcoin wallet creating a bridge between the Bitcoin network and emerging Layer 2 solutions. Leather is self-custodied, open source, and an audited wallet, allowing users to secure and manage Bitcoin, Ordinal, Stacks L2, and other Bitcoin-secured assets like BRC20. Check out TrustMachines.co. Follow at TrustMachines.co right here on Twitter. If you click on Mark's account right here on Twitter, you can give him a follow, but also you'll see at LeatherBTC is the official Twitter account. Or excuse me, the X account. It's very hard for me to make this adjustment, ladies and gentlemen. The X account for the Leather wallet. Anyway, big shout out to all of our guests. Shout out to our co-hosts uh, that could make it today, Trevor Owens and Aubrey Strobel. A big thank you to Mark from Leather Wallet, Nick from Gamma.io, uh, Raphael from Hero Systems, Rena and Brandon from Trust Machines, and of course, Billy, the digital artist and sad hunter. What a fun episode of the show. We will catch you all later. Make sure you give our guests a follow. We'll we greatly appreciate it. And yeah, check out the show either here on X or on Apple and Spotify podcasts. We will see you all next week. Thanks so much for joining everyone. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.